another edition of Stuffing Around, Stuff Magazine's gaming podcast for all things gaming. I really should come up with a better intro, shouldn't I? I mean, I think, you know, if it works, it works. It works. It's just kind of boring, though, isn't it? I Stuff Magazine, we're playing games. Anyway, I'm <laughs> Nick Cowan, and Max Malella Hello. is joining me as always. Yes. And today we're talking, uh, basically we're wrapping up E3. It's like the morning after E3, it is. kind of. Um, including the hangover. Absolutely, including the hangover. Mm. Um, not that it was an absolute bender to begin with. It's no, like, no, it wasn't. It was kind of like a very, very safe evening of imbibement mm, mm. where the next morning you got up and you were completely ready for work. Um, not 100%, but... Not 100%, but also that does tell you that it wasn't particularly exciting. Yeah, not a whole lot was going on. Because um, we covered Ubisoft and Bethesda and Microsoft last week. Yeah, we touched on Nintendo briefly. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So here's the thing, and, and, and there's no getting away from this. Mm -hmm. If I was to sit you down and say, what were the most exciting things that you saw at E3 this year? You'd probably sit there staring at me blankly, like you are right yeah, now. Yeah, Nick. If you if you put a gu the only the only way I'd be able to like put a top three most exciting things from E3 would it would be if you put a gun to my head, mm. because in a there is a gun to your head right now. <laughs> okay, go. Uh, most exciting things for me, definitely Metroid, uh, right. Metroid Dread, because I'm just a diehard Metroid fan. Mm -hmm. um, click click. <laughs> Damn, uh, what else was? Oh, oh um, Atomic Heart, I actually thought was really, really exciting. Okay, that does look That really looks really cool. cool. Weird, but really, really cool. Mm. Atomic Heart and... Uh, Bang. <laughs> You're dead, Max. I'll say, I'll say Starfield, because I like Bethesda games. Mm. Um, and also, it's working off a different engine. Yeah, exactly. So I'm excited to see that. Yeah, that also might just be because off the top of my head, I'm suddenly forgetting a lot uh, that happened. Well, no, it's not just that. It's, it's just also that like there was nothing that really landed with that kind of look to the stars. This is amazing. Mm. This is yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the reason we cover the industry that I'll, we do. I'll say the closest thing we got to that was just how good the new Forza looks. That mm. was the closest I got to thinking, wow, damn. Then again, Forza always brings the pain. No, exactly. So that's it why it really does. That's why that's 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 a that's. As good as it Forza is, Forza Horizon. That's a Forza Horizon. As good as that is, it's a consolation prize because it's always going to be there. You see, for me, the 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 most interesting things I thought of in E3 were both in uh, Microsoft and Bethesda's keynote. Mm. Um, Back for Blood, because I, I I I am a massive massive Left, Left 4 Dead, Dead fan. fan, yeah. And um, that kind of looks really really interesting to me, and the fact that. Um, Microsoft is going to dump Halo's next multiplayer, multiplayer. out there for free. Mm. Now that to me is a really interesting. That thing. is quite big. That is, I mean, that is that is really big. You said last week that it's, um, you know, because a lot of the reason Halo fans are Halo fans is the lore. Mm. But this is a good way to just appeal to the first-person shooter crowd mm. or arena shooter rather. With Halo. I don't know what to what to call Halo's sh Halo's shooting genre multiplayer. anymore. It's just a multiplayer shooter. Um, you could just boilerplate that at multiplayer. Yeah, sure. There are many players playing yeah. in the same place. It's a multiplayer. <laughs> so I think it's a good way to, to just appeal to that you know, pure gameplay crowd mm. and mm. maybe get them interested in the lore itself. Or mm. if they just feel like supporting... Um, it's not Bungie anymore. It's... Uh, who is it? It's 343. 343, thank you. Uh, just supporting 343. Not that they need it. They are backed by Microsoft. No, no absolutely not. I mean, here's, here's the thing. is that, like, I think it's a really bold move. 
Mm. I, I'm actually kind of interested to see if this is something that Microsoft follows going on going on in the future. Maybe the next Gears of War. I was about to say multiplayer will be free to play. I can see that happening. I can very much see that happening. I don't know if I can. Um, I, well, no, but this I, is I guess a, it depends on how Halo works out. No, no, absolutely. And also, Halo is a very, very different beast to Gears. Sure. Because, like you know, in Halo, you're jumping around. You're light as a fairy. You're the the world is beautiful, mm. you know. You hit someone, it feels as though you just punched a bowling ball through their <laughs> face. Whereas like gears is kind of like boots on the ground, running towards the cover. Oh God, shot. You, you do really have to put on the gritty voice yeah. for it. Shotgun hotbox, you know that sort of thing. <laughs> no, it is. Yeah, it's no, a shotgun no, it hotbox. Um, so so it'd be very very interesting to see um, whether or not. Halo being, you know, Halo's multiplayer being released as a, a free-to-play thing mm. is going to have any effect going forward. Industry-wise. And, and here's the other thing. I mean, you got Forza, right? Yeah. And I am, I'm sure you're aware of these things called Drivatars. Drivatars? You never I, heard of that? I, I, might, okay, I so, might know what it is, but I don't know the name. Okay, so here's what happens in, um, in Forza. Um, ever since the launch of the Xbox One, um, Forza has basically been working on something called driver tars. Right. And what it is, is essentially you, Max, play the game and you drive around and you drive around and you drive around a bit more and um, Forza's uh, back end builds up a profile of how you drive and then when other people come online and you're not online, they may throw the version of how you drive into that that race. Oh man, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's quite interesting. Yeah, well done from catching up on nine years worth of work. <laughs> but 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 here's the thing. I mean, you know, maybe Forza's next uh, multiplayer, multiplayer. Will be free, free to play. It's going to be interesting to watch. And and that's why I said to you, like one of the most interesting things I saw of all of E3 was that was Halo's Halo. multiplayer was going to be free to play. It's it's weird. I don't want to call it a I don't want to call it a risk. On Microsoft's part, I don't think it's a risk. It's I think, not. I think it's a calculated move. I think so too, because clearly, past let's call it five years, possibly even a bit longer, um, we've seen the free-to-play shooter market is it's one that works. Mm. You know, look at Apex. Look at dare I say Fortnite. Warframe. I was going to say Fortnite. Um, Warframe, PUBG. Warframe, PUBG is not free-to-play. Is it not free to play? It wasn't at first. I haven't been keeping up. It might be free on the App Store uh, on the mobile version, but I remember the PC versions. It costs money. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But it's a, the, like Apex is one of the biggest, probably possibly the biggest shooter. Um, uh, Fortnite. But I mean, okay, yes. <laughs> Fortnite. I mean, Fortnite can afford to take Apple to court. Okay, I'm talking. I think it's, uh, I think right, it's got more right. money. Than Fine. <laughs> Apex. Um, oh, even. Um, not Valorant. What's the There's a. Oh, it doesn't matter. Whatever. Point being, um, free-to-play shooters are a multiplayer shooters. Oh, Call of Duty Warzone. Mm. So to be fair, Halo. The new Halo. It's not the first like big-name shooter game to have done this. That's exactly kind of what the most recent Call of Duty Black Ops Four did. Yeah. Was they made Warzone free, and then everything else is paid. Yeah. And uh, it worked for them. Mm. It still is working for them. So it's a. Cal you're right. It's a calculated. Uh, it's a calculated move on mm. Microsoft's part and on... That having been said, it's very, very interesting to see them take that calculated move with one of the biggest IPs Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, I mean, it's... The idea, I mean, I don't know about you, but like the idea, like, back in the day of Halo Reach or Halo 3 or even Halo 4, that Microsoft would literally 
offer up the multiplayer mode of Halo for, for free. free. Yeah. I, I, that that to me is just alien mm. back in those days. That having been said, and like you said, in the current market, it works. It work. Well, it can work. Oh, it can work. Okay. I, I'm thinking they hope it works. I, you know what? I think with the uh, with the player base Halo already has, I'm optimistic. I'm. I, mm. I, I, I'm. I'll give it a go. Yeah. Oh, I definitely will. Yeah. I'll give it a go. It's, it's free. <laughs> exactly. Why wouldn't I? Um, Other than that, we were looking at Nintendo Direct. We were. I did want to mention, sorry, just to go back to the most exciting things very quickly. I just need to change. Um, I can't even remember what I said, but Elden Ring should have been on that list. Elden Ring. Elden Ring. It should be on a lot of people's lists, I'm sure. So I just wanted to make that clear so that the gamer boys don't come and uh, beat me up. Now, now for the uninitiated, what is Elden Ring? It is Dark Souls. Well, it's not. Um, it is made by the, it's probably a Souls-like. It's, it's from software. It's from software in collaboration with uh, Game of Thrones' George R.R. R. Martin. I'm sure he's done, I'm sure he's, uh, he's done. So essentially what it is is a fantasy game that everyone wants to play, which is going to kick your ass harder than next week. I, you know what? I don't know. No one knows yet. That's the thing. All of the big, like, Dark Souls outlets, Dark Souls YouTubers, Dark Souls writers, whatever, I don't know, um, are telling their fan base, don't, you can't just be looking at this and expecting it to be big Dark Souls in an open world or something yet. We don't know how it plays. Hmm. We have no idea how it plays yet. And that's the major problem with E3 in general. Yeah. And this is uh, something we were talking about um, earlier. And when I say earlier, I mean before we started recording the podcast. <laughs> which is, do you think that, you know, with obviously the global pandemic that we're all sort of living under the auspices of, mm that some of the sturm and drang, some of the shock and awe has been peeled away from E3 as an event. Absolutely, I, I definitely think so. I'm sorry, I, you know, I've never had the opportunity to go to E3 live, but I like- I have. You have, <laughs> thanks Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Rub it in, why don't you? Um, Seven times. Shut up, Nick. <laughs> anyway. It was really nice. I'm, <laughs> I'll leave. Anyway, carry on. Um, but already, so I, you know, I even, even though I was never there in person, I liked watching the yeah. performances. They and were the keynotes. They were performances. The keynotes are, they were a, a kind of theatrical thing. No, they were. And um, with these online releases, it really just felt like a string of trailers back to back. It was mm. quite boring to watch, actually, as, mm. a, as an event. Even if mm. the trailers were good, mm. um, the event itself. Like, no, that's the thing. It's like, um, you know, like two or three years ago, I think it was two years ago, mm. they had the amazing Cyberpunk 2077 uh, uh, sort of reveal event. Well, it wasn't really a reveal. It was a, it's, it, the reveal was, we're pretty much done. It was the follow-up event. And then at the end of it, you know, you had this door open, Keanu Reeves walks Walk on, on stage um, to the strains of a song called Chippin' In, which actually comes from the original um, Cyberpunk 2020, 2020 yeah. um, uh, you know, uh, tabletop game. You just don't get that mm -mm. anymore, do you? I do, sorry, I do, I do want to say, I, I think that Keanu Reeves coming out on stage might go down, even, it might go down as one of the most exciting video game announcements. Moments. Moment. Yeah, moments um, in recent video game history. Mm. Um, it's been memed to death. It's been mm. memed to hell and back. Um, mm. There's that iconic scene of someone yelling, someone yelling at the stage, you're beautiful, and Keanu Reeves points at the crowd. You're and goes, amazing. Yeah, oh, you're amazing. And Keanu Reeves points back and goes, no, you're amazing. Yeah, no, it's absolutely. Like, and you don't get that. The online thing, 
it, it's so, like with, every, look, okay, we're getting a bit meta here, but it, like with everything pandemic-wise these days, it feels so artificial. It mm. feels so manufactured and corporate. I, I don't know if it feels manufactured and corporate. What I think is it feels like we've taken a step back. We've taken a step back from the immediacy of enjoying the industry that we do. Mm. Um, and to a degree, you're right. It makes it feel more manufactured. It makes it feel more I, corporate. You know what? It's, that was the biggest thing. I'm suddenly realizing as we're talking about it, this is, this is what's been bugging me about E3 this year. It felt so forced. It did. It felt, you know, because last year it was a shambles. Obviously, yeah. clearly it was a shambles. It's almost as if they said, because nothing, like we've just been saying, nothing really sparked us hmm. um, from E3. Hmm. And even the things that did were like, well, it was a 10 second trailer that didn't actually show us how the game played. Hmm. It felt, I actually didn't feel like anything was really ready for an E3 reveal. I would have much preferred like a month in which we got a couple of trailers for some really big things rather than some manufactured forced E3 event just because mm. there has to be an E3. No, I hear you. I mean, it, to me, I mean, to me, the biggest loss of the pandemic is, um, has managed to foister on top of us in terms of the gaming calendar, mm. right, uh, is BlizzCon. Yeah, you've been saying for a while. Because BlizzCon is beautiful, broken, stupid, <laughs> moronic, fan-based. It's all those wonderful, beautiful things. And BlizzCon can't exist mm -hmm. in, in, the, in the current environment. And as someone who's been to BlizzCon a number of times, I mean, you'll run into a guy who's dressed like a death knight. You'll sit in a, a, a panel discussion where they talk about the next Hearthstone stuff. You'll see trailers that are shot on screens that blow your mind and you know towards the end of it there's a dance competition and um, you know fans able to show off their wares mm. that Blizzard have picked out from YouTube channels and it's like yeah that ain't happening anymore you just yeah. not for the foreseeable future at least it and and it's like there's something as much as we play games and we're at kind of great distances to each other. There's something lost about that immediate agency. I think as, as, as thank you, Main Road. I think as well as that, um, something that's been, that, that was very much missing from E3 is that E3 is not, like you've just been saying with BlizzCon mm -hmm. or E3, they're not just back-to-back -back trailers. Yeah. They're an they're event. Events. They're an event, except this one wasn't. No. It just felt hollow to still call it's it. It's hard E3. to be an event when yeah. you're just online. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, this got sad. Right. <laughs> well, in the meantime, um, coming back to E3. Yes. All right. So I recently wrote a piece which got me a lot of hatred online mm. about um, how consoles need an always-on connection. You did? Yes. That's Was correct. I wrong? I don't think you are. Well. I don't think you I think you, I think you were bold. I think you were <laughs> brave. I think perhaps a bit reckless. Right. Right. But here's the thing, back in 2013, when the Xbox One was first announced, yes. right? I mean, I remember being at that keynote. I was literally in the theater at that keynote. And I remember Don Matrick, the then head of Xbox, announcing that not only was this console going to be quite expensive, mm. comparatively speaking to its predecessor, to the, yeah. but also that it was gonna be an always-on connection in order to function properly. And then they dropped the Titanfall demo. Um, and that didn't save them. No, it didn't. It didn't save them. No. Even though Titanfall and Titanfall 2 are two of the best first-person shooters ever made, um, 
and everyone went to town on them. And not for nothing, years later, you sit there with your console, if you don't have an online connection, it's essentially a glorified DVD player, and maybe if you're lucky enough to have a uh, couple of games that um, you hold physical copies of, mm. right? Um, that have that, si that have single player modes that also don't need a patch of some sort. Indeed, I mean, here's the thing: like, my cat broke my internet this week, and um, just for shits and giggles, I threw in uh, Cyberpunk 2077. With no internet. With no internet. Mm, how'd that go? Couldn't play it. No. <laughs> imagine, imagine that. You know why? Why? Needs a patch. Needs a patch. <laughs> My goodness. You are Jack's complete lack of surprise, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, no. and this is the thing, is, is, is that, like, you know, consoles need an on, always-on connection. Um, I mean, Steam has been demanding an always-on connection. Pretty much. I mean, you for how many years? Oh, I mean, you'd need you'd need it because it's all digital copies. Yeah. Yeah. Man, and physical PC copies are weird things, aren't they? In the light of that, well, this is the thing. This is the funny thing is that like, one of the things that I learned after my cat destroyed my um, internet connection was everyone who's been laughing at me for stockpiling DVDs can piss off. Who's laughing now? Yeah, exactly. Who's laughing now? Exactly. Because we had something to watch. We couldn't get into DSTV. We couldn't get into Netflix. We couldn't get into Showmax because we had no internet connection. But we had Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, Nick. <laughs> you savior. <laughs> you proud family man, you. Yeah. Oh, although my, my wife did say, why don't we have more romantic comedies? That doesn't warrant a response. No, it does. <laughs> Why don't you go off and buy some? <laughs> but yeah, that's the thing is that like uh, I I do really believe that people who are banging on about um, you know how dare Microsoft you know demand that you have an always on um, connection to mm. to connect your 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 console. It's like they don't have much of a like to stand on. No, not really. No, I think I think that Microsoft's problem was that it was too honest. At the time. Too honest. No, it, it, it could see the future and it was too honest about what, what, it. Like, like in a bad breakup kind of way. Pretty much. Like, when, you know what? This isn't working because you're an asshole. Yeah. It should have just been, this isn't working. Yeah. And everyone lost their shit. Yeah. I, look, I'm with you, Nick. I think, um, and, and people don't give it enough credit. I said on one of the podcasts um, that, that certain subsections of gamers often, gamers as a collective, irk me. And it's the kind that says that games shouldn't need to be a one patch and games shouldn't need to be always online for patching and stuff. That I think they, they I don't want to sound like I'm in bed with game developers because I'm clearly not. Mm. Um, I think they miss how games as a genre, games as a, a form of An media, industry. and games as a product uh, need that these mm. days. Games are massive, they're huge, um, they've got so much content, they're working on engines that require round-the-clock maintenance. Mm. And that's why, you know, when, when, when developers put stuff, when they, they'll, they'll say this needs to be always online, it's for you, the player, it's mm. for your own good. Mm. If you're in a position where you can't always be online, you shouldn't buy the game. Mm. You know, um, game developers have been doing that for a while. I remember, do you, uh, you won't remember a, a hero shooter called Gigantic, where they had a thing where if... It's, it wasn't quite always online, but it's, it's in the same realm as mm. game developers telling you you need to have this thing for it to work. If you didn't have the right PC specs uh, to run the game, mm. they wouldn't let you purchase anything from the online shop because it was a free game. Mm. Um, but if you got into it, they wouldn't let you purchase any of the add-ons. 
and that's effectively the same thing as the warning label on the back of the game saying this needs to be always online mm. and it's in the fine print where it's like so that we can make sure that it works mm. for you mm. you know so you're, I, I'm, I'm with you you're absolutely well, no, no, right. I mean the reason I bring this up is because uh, Kotaku this week had mm. a, a bit of a go at Back for Blood because um, Total Rock um, the studio behind Back for Blood mm. essentially was asked a question on Twitter where they said will you need an always on connection they went yeah you will. Yeah. And Kotaku um, essentially said, okay, so Back for Blood, I think the name of the article was Back for Blood needs an always on connection, and that's a bad thing. Sure. And the example that they used was Outriders. You remember Outriders? I do. Uh, I do. I do remember Outriders. And, um, you know, we had a large chat about it, mm. you know, several episodes ago. I'll actually put the link to the podcast that we had that chat about it into the description here. But, Outriders servers crashed. Yeah, you Qu said on, on quite a bit on weekend one. Yeah. you said yeah, and um, you were faced with a horrible situation that you might have plowed two to three and a half hours into this thing, and then bang, all of your progress is gone. Mm. And that's a very fair point to make. It is a very fair point to make that um, if you're going to launch something that relies on servers those servers had better be up to scratch. They, yeah, they'd better be working. That having been said, there have been games that come out of the gate like Battlefield and Call of Duty and Titanfall 2 mm. and Halo and Gears of War where their servers are rock solid. Yeah. And I'm hoping that Back for Blood's servers are rock solid. Um, and also, here's the thing. When I heard that Back for Blood was a always-on internet connection game mm. and no issue with it at all because well, I played Left 4 Dead by myself yeah and it stinks it's I've, I've done it, that no it stinks it's, on your own yeah it's not good when you're with a bunch of other players it is mind-blowingly good oh yeah I, ditto for another Turtle Rock game much it's a much worse game but even in, in something like Evolve yeah. um, well I think that there's an entire podcast you and I could go Do back and forth about Evolve. I'd love to, because I like because, that game. Because, to be quite frank, I, I have a hard time judging Evolve, because I think Evolve was a game that was shot in the kneecaps by its publisher coming out of the game. Oh, absolutely. But that's, that, that's and, and that's not down to the developer. No, no, no. The game itself is really good. Yeah. It, it was, you know, it was the whole... There's a whole thing. There's, yeah, a, whole, no, no, there's no, a whole podcast. Like I said, there. there's a whole podcast. Yeah. There. Anyway, um, but yeah, with with those kind of um, asymmetrical multiplayer shooters, or yeah. even even not you know, Left 4 Dead's not even asymmetrical, but mm. multiplayer team-based shooters, mm. they're online so that you can play with your friends because playing them alone sucks. And not even playing with your friends. One of, one of the things I loved about Left 4 Dead is that you would land up in a lobby with complete strangers mm. who had the same uh, kind of. Um, uh, mindset as you, mm. which, you know, if you were playing the game with uh, people who had played it regularly, all of you realize that unless you work together, you're all going to die. Yeah, you're quite, you're quite right. stuffed. If you I, I remember playing it in England and I connected with a server and I can't remember, I mean, maybe it was the United States, but there were a bunch of guys in Compton and they found my accent hilarious. <laughs> they, they were like, let's, and I'm sitting there going, let's bust some caps. And they're like, this is hilarious. This is the most <laughs> hilarious thing I've ever seen. And if anyone came into our lobby who was hoovering up all the ammunition and health packs and wasn't sharing them, hmm. they got immediately kicked. Yeah. Right? 
And, and that's the thing about Left 4 Dead. Left 4 Dead is one of those touchstones where basically said, like, if you don't work together as a team, you're going to die. You're not going to, yeah. Right. Evolve had that to a degree. Yeah, no, it did. It did. That's, right. where, that's where the single player with bots doesn't really work. Exactly. Um, and I'm hoping that Back for Blood, and, and maybe that's why Back, Back for Blood, Blood is coming in with, it. look, it's an always on internet connection. Because we tried it with bots, Back with Evolve, didn't work. And it didn't work. Yeah. No, I think it's totally reasonable that a, a game like uh, Back for Blood, if it's, obviously we don't know how, how uh, much about how it plays, but if it's anything like Left 4 Dead or Evolve, I can totally understand the always online. Were you a fan of Left 4 Dead? Did you play it a lot? I've, I've, I've played it like four times in my life, and two of those times were alone. Um, so you'll be taking my copies home with you then? <laughs> I, th I think I need to get my own copy actually because I've got a bunch of friends who play it. Um, I think anyone who's been a PC gamer for long enough has played Left 4 mm. Dead um, and has Left 4 Dead. I might even have it having picked it up from a Absolutely bundle. fantastic game. Yeah. Also the world building around it was amazing. I've, I've got into the lore before. I've, I've watched a couple of Well, no, I remember talking to the uh, Mrs. Y go, hey, Max, you haven't lived life yet. Hey. <laughs> but I remember actually interviewing the uh, writer of the game, Chet Felsek. Yeah. Uh, he used to work at uh, Valve. Okay. And he said that one of the um, one of the uh, inspirations for Left 4 Dead was when he was reading into the history of the Spanish plague. And oh, um, topical. In, in, in actual fact, how deserted streets were, how um, you know it was dog eat dog, the whole nine yards mm. is like, is like uh, you know. Actually, I probably shouldn't tell any telling you anymore. I'll tell you off record. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Some of this stuff was off record. Okay. Anyway, so yeah, um, I'm looking forward to Back for Blood, and I don't care that it needs an always-on internet connection because after my cat destroyed my internet this week, I realised I need an always-on internet yeah. connection. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. I'm I'm with you, Nick. I completely yeah. agree. So so we have this Elder Scrolls Online Tamriel Unlimited Edition here. We do, Imperial Edition. So, um, You've been playing much ESO recently? Not recently. I have been, we said on the last episode, I've, I've been swamped with uni. Mm. Um, I don't recently. want to for excuses. <laughs> um, because I am a young person trying to get a degree. Mm. Um, so I've been putting some hours into that rather than into my mm. video games. But you did play it. Um, so I, I, I've, I've, no, I've put like 10 hours, 12 hours in uh, on, on PC and I covered the uh, Blackwood expansion um, I'm currently reviewing the Black the Blackwood expansion. It's mm. very cool. It's very nice. Um, You're enjoying it. I am. Look, I, I haven't done anything that's hugely different from just the base game yet, because mm -hmm. um, I've just started. I, I put in half an hour last night just to make sure that I downloaded it properly. Mm. Um, so I haven't done anything that's you know ex exclusive to that uh, that experience expansion yet. Aside from the one thing I really enjoy is uh, the, the setting because it's kind of between the settings of um, not Morrowind. It's actually I was going to say Morrowind but it's, it's Oblivion. It's effectively it's the same setting. It's, that's that main city. I can't remember the name all of a sudden but the main imperial city. Mm. Um, I can't remember the name of it. To tell you the truth I mean the only Elder Scrolls game I've ever played is ha 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 Surprise, Skyrim. No. What? Yeah. You played Skyrim. Of course I played Skyrim. <laughs> I played Skyrim to death. Um, you but, but what um, Skyrim did um, sort of furnish me with was that, like, however big this game is, and it, it is huge. Mm. Like, Skyrim is a big, stonking I think, to be fair, game. I think you'd be surprised at how small the map is. It's just that they fill it with crap. No, 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 no. I completely, good, good I, I completely agree with you. Um, the map is relatively it's small. It's relatively small. Um, that having been said, the stuff you can do in it, oh, is, yeah. it, it will keep you going for months. 
It's, um, it's but what really was rammed home during uh, my playthrough of Skyrim was the fact that like this is just a small part of the Elder Scrolls world. We we and you just sit there going, if there's this much stuff to do in Skyrim, what the hell is the rest of the world well, like? If and so when ESO came along, I was sorely tempted. I was very <laughs> sorely tempted, but I was deep in Azeroth. I was deep in World of mm. Warcraft. And the problem that you've got when you are playing World of Warcraft, I mean, here's the thing. If you're playing a game for review, you play it for review. Yep. But if you're playing a game for fun, and you're playing this wonderful game like World of Warcraft for fun, mm. and another game comes along like ESO, or even Dragon Age. Yeah, just a big you, time sink. You'll, you'll boot it up and you'll go, why am I playing this? I could be. Playing. I could be upstairs playing. I could be. That's oh uh, yeah. You know, we, we spoke about it before. Um, where like if you're playing. So I'm actually quite jealous of you having, ha having dived having into the Elder Scrolls Online because it is a. It's a fantastic world. It is. I'm, I'm, it's more of a universe than anything else at this point. I remember we spoke about this on the podcast once, but talking to Rich Lambert, he's the creative director at mm. ZeniMax. Um, very cool guy. Mm. Um, talking to Rich Lambert. Hey, Rich, you're cool. <laughs> talking to Rich Lambert about the wealth of lore that they have in the Elder Scrolls. And still the most impressive thing for me is, um, he even said, he's like, he, uh, the people who keep coming up with different stories and coming up with different uh, uh, aspects of the lore, he thinks are some of the most talented, smartest people he's mm -hmm. ever met. But the biggest thing for him when I asked, do you ever see this well of, of, of stories running dry? And he said, let me let you in on a little secret. You've heard of the Plains of Oblivion. Mm -hmm. this, and he's like, this is just one facet of Elder Scrolls lore. The Plains of Oblivion, it's kind of, it's, it's effectively hell in some sense. It's, yep. it's where the demons live. The Draenor. The, uh, the, not the Draenor, the Dremora. Dremora, sorry. And the Daedric Princes. The Daedra and the, and the Daedric Princes, yeah. yes. Yeah, and, and these I princes. I remember those guys. Yeah, they can, uh, they can shape the Plains of Oblivion however they want. And he said, what that means is we have unlimited storytelling potential there. We can just invent a new Daedric Prince and have him transform the world however he wants. We can do it in any setting, and it will be law-friendly, and it will work, and it will mesh with everything else. And that's super cool and super exciting. I think it's why ESO is such a successful um, MMO. Mm. Uh, because you get two kinds of people who play MMOs. You get the kind who love the MMO experience, mm. just you know all of the UI and uh, menus and the um, min-maxing, character building, role play. Um, Role playing as in like a, 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 a playing a tank or playing mm -hmm. a healer, mm -hmm. and you get the kind who love the role playing in the other uh, uh, in the other sphere, which is living in this and existing within a world. No, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, like when I played World of Warcraft, I just played it solo. Mm. Um, I wasn't really bothered with uh, meeting other players. Um, I mean, eventually you do, you end up in a guild, but like. Um, to be quite frank, just going through the world and enjoying the world and enjoying the lore and enjoying the stories mm. was, was uh, what I was there for. That having been said, we, we've been I, I would say that um, this <coughs> Elder Scrolls Online Special Edition is... Mm. It's, a, it's a big box. I'm not really sure I want to give it to you. I, it was a gift, Nick. Yeah, but it was a gift to me. Yeah, but I... I feel like because I did the interview. Oh, so you want the box? Do you? I do want the box. I would right. very much you want like the box. Do you? I want the box. You want the I box? Do you? Nick, stop! Nick, Nick, don't! Nick, ah! Nick, I may be an intern, but I have rights!